Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to our first official edition of SFP Now for 2019! And yes, we're about two months into 2019, but there's a reason for that, folks. It's because we couldn't be bothered to do to do shows for the first two months of 2019 because we're lazy and we don't care. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, you know, basically, uh, we've all been really busy with real life. Um and unfortunately when you do these things real life does get in the way sometimes but we're back um for for our first show 2019 and uh Raisa's back with me hello and we're gonna gonna discuss quite a few things that are going on um and i think i think you want to start with the dc shows don't you Raisa? Yes, although um, there's been too much going on with the DC shows to discuss the individual storylines in themselves. So what I think I will do to make this more efficient is to just focus on some some ideas I've had uh, relating to what's coming up with Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I there it's obvious to me that they're going to be phasing out Arrow using the Crisis storyline to phase out Arrow that um, Ollie made a deal with the monitor that's going to involve him taking Barry's place as the person who disappears in crisis. Mm-hmm. That said... We've got season eight of Arrow. Yeah, but season eight is next year. It's going it's it's to coincide with crisis. But that said, they are still going to want to nod to the fact that Barry and Kara die in canon. And I think what they're gonna, how they're going to do that is they're going to kill off Nora because Nora is the version of herself that comes from the timeline where Barry disappeared. So if she sacrifices herself as a nod to a speedster sacrificing themselves, the, that clears the way for the version of Nora that comes to, into existence during the timeline in which Oliver disappears. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that they're going to kill off the Red Daughter version of Supergirl. I think one of the reasons they're holding her back this season and we're only getting glorified cameos in the, in the episodes, even though they bigged her up in, in, the, um, in the PR, is because they're, they're, going to, they're going to have her be the token Supergirl who's killed off as a nod to the fact that Kara originally dies. That way they'll be able to have their cake and eat it too. Well, I've just had a thought, actually, um, about Arrow. What's um, that? Well, the thing is, they could kill on if they're off, and Arrow could still carry on. Uh, they could. You know, they could. Because they've now introduced Amiko Queen. Yeah. And, she, and, uh, and even given her an episode entitled, I am, my name is Amiko Queen. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So they could actually they could actually king Ollie off and quite and feasibly keep Arrow going with Amico Queen being the green arrow and having the 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 existing team arrow, the ones that remain, calling us around her. Yes. You know, yeah. if they wanted to carry it on. They could. They could. I'm also thinking that the, the future storylines on Arrow are crisis prep. That that future will either be caused by crisis or prevented by crisis, one of the two. Mm-hmm. And it's simply a question of which one of the two it is we're going to be getting. I also had some thoughts about Argo City. Um, now, in terms of the in terms of Supergirl as an individual series, the Argo City rollout was not effectively put together. They could have they could have done that a lot better. But I thinking the reason they did bring in Argo City when they did is as crisis prep, because I have a sneaking suspicion that when crisis hits in earnest, um, Kara is going to find out ahead of time that Earth 38 will not be entirely salvageable. And she'll, she'll basically be in the same position her mother was in prior to Krypton's destruction. She'll know, then she'll have to make really heavy choices about how much she tells people and, and what she does to save what she can and at that point she's going to come full circle know how her mother was feeling and probably have to go to her mother um for as a sounding board and so at that point argo city serves a longer term purpose um I'm, i'm hoping i'm hoping if i'm right that they roll that out properly because they've been rushing a lot of these storylines Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this this that, and also the um, you know it seems to me that uh, Arrow and the Flash, um, especially uh, over the last over the recent two three episodes, have been treading water a little bit. They um, they're basically proving that the twenty two episode model is completely dead, and that all of the shows need to have their seasons trimmed mm-hmm. because there's just there's no reason there's no reason to drag any of these storylines out. None at all. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, the 22-episode model was great when it was a um, starter of the next generation and there was a reset and there was a different adventure every week with maybe sort of like certain character arcs carrying through. Yes. Uh, but when, when, when you're talking about one, one cohesive story, um, the tighter the better. Yes. I mean, you know, you could, you could probably tell a really, really good story um, as a Torchwood Children of Earth proved with just five episodes. Yes. You know, it's, um, whereas um, when, when they did Children when they did Children of Earth, the, uh, no, sorry, the, the, the one that... The, Miracle Day. The, the Miracle, Miracle Day. Day uh, yeah. Originally, RTD's, uh, RTD wrote that as a five-episode arc. And I'm sorry we'll never see the five-episode arc, because I have a feeling that version would have rocked. It probably would have been better, yeah, um, versus, versus ten-episode arc. Um, but it's just sort of like um, it, 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 you're right. It, it, you know the the um, the 22 episode model isn't re- really working. Um, they they can actually feasibly get two 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 full story arcs into 22 episodes and and do do two story arcs a year instead of one. Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. Um, and um, and you know and make and maybe have you know the odd the odd standalone episode but you know the way the way it's running at the moment is they kind of they kind of get on with a full head of steam and the pace can be really fast and then they'll go yeah and 
then you get a, then then you get a couple of episodes where the tread water word is very very little to do with the arc in them. Um, not not talking about the last episode of Flash because the last episode of Flash was quite heavily uh, motivated by the arc really, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Um, but the last episode of Arrow, Arrow wasn't. <laughs> no. Last two, no. in fact. Um, but it's it, it's it's getting that way, and um, I'm not sure how many episodes is Black Lightning this year. First season was 13. I believe second season is also 13 because Black Lightning is going to wrap up on April 1st and then make room for Legends. Um, I'm I'm four episodes behind on Black Lightning. I've I've got them all, but I'm four four episodes behind. It's it's good. Not not quite as good as season one, but still very solid. It's Mm. it's my second favorite DC show at the moment behind Legends. So... And Legends was um, I can't remember where Legends left off, but can always but can always revisit the last episode and you know before before April first. Um, so anything else you want to add about the DC shows? Because we, I know we've got Batgirl coming next year. Batwoman, yeah, sorry. and they're they're going to have to make room for Batgirl. Um, I was not really impressed with her relative to the crossover. She wasn't given enough room to actually breathe so i'm hoping i'm hoping that the um that the pilot is significantly stronger um frankly i think i think they needed even though legends was not in the crossover i think they actually needed the legends hour as an additional hour because i think three hours is too little for for as much as they were trying to accomplish you know to be honest um uh, you know I, I i was like you with the with the batwoman thing i thought she was great in the episode she was in um but you know i was really disappointed that i didn't pull her in for the for the next episode yeah um, yeah because she really needed that to develop you know to develop the character sort yeah. of thing and um and you know i think what, what i can't remember the name the uh the actor that's playing her, but i thought ruby she, rose uh, yeah ruby rose i thought she was really good she was good yes she, you know she, she suited the character and um, you know the character seemed to suit her, uh-huh. um, so. and I'm glad they let her keep her tats, which was cool. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad they let her keep her tats as well because you know if I if I um, audition to play Batman, yeah, I'd insist on keeping my tats. There's no way I'm gonna <laughs> you know I paid lots of money for these things, and you know I want people to fucking see them. Yes, <laughs> that's yes, the, that's the whole point of yes. getting a tat. It's about you. <laughs> You know, it's um, you know, but yeah, I'm glad that I keep tats too, because it kind of adds to the character, adds to the edginess of Bat of Batwoman. Yes, yes. Um, and so yeah, I'm look- I'm quite looking forward to seeing how how that develops next year. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that Crisis, whatever it is, isn't just the crossover because three or four episodes isn't going to be enough for Crisis. I'm hoping that it's a big enough storyline that it actually bleeds into the seasons as a whole of the individual shows. Because otherwise, I don't know how they're going to logistically do a credible job of even a t- of even a TV adaptation of something like that. I think that's basically what they're doing wrong, Risa. Um What what they should really be doing with these crossovers is maybe they should just use the first twelve episodes, you know, the first eleven episodes as a standalone story arc for for the individual character. Yes. And and do 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 a giant crossover uh, written over, you know, that's so it weaves between the different shows over yes. the, over the second. Yeah, that would that would be more episodes. effective. Yeah. You know, because that's what they do in the comics. You know, when when they do do a big story arc in the comics, it's 
usually getting about 10 or 10 or 11 issues of each comic book. Yes. Um, and um, it costs a fortune, which is why I never buy, buy into the arcs in comics because I'm not I'm not that mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I usually wait for the trade to come out and and, and get that because it's usually much cheaper to do it that way. Yes, yes. Um, but that's what they should do with the TV shows, I think. Um, talking of um, talking of other stuff, um, you and I have both recently seen Venom and been very very surprised. Oh, that was. Excellent film. It was an excellent film. My one quibble is that the action sequences ran a little long, but the action sequences always run a little long in these films these days. But other than that, um, I thought it was an excellent film. And I'm, and I'm sorry it didn't do well. I'm really sorry it didn't do well. I think it's done well enough for a sequel, though, hasn't it? It hasn't been announced yet. I hope so, because apart from anything else, I would I would really like to see Woody, Hall- Woody, ha- Woody Harrelson as Carnage. Hmm. Based on that, based on that um, clip at the end, so yeah. Yeah, because if you look at the, uh, let's just very quickly pull pull this link up for Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, we'll do a search for Venom, and compare the audience score with the critic score, because it's the it's the audience score is the one you're looking for, and because critic score is usually bullshit. <laughs> uh-huh. um, basically, last time I looked, the audience score was significantly higher than critic score. You know, and that's the one you you look out for. And you know, I've got a feeling. You know, if it doesn't get a sequel, um, it's it's just a it, it's just a missed opportunity, really. But you know, um, it probably cost an absolute fortune to make. So. Yeah, you're right. The um, I just got it up. The uh, the critics have it at twenty nine percent, but the audience score is eighty four. So it, it might it might get a a sequel. I think it won't as well. There's a similar trend with uh, with the Orville. The critic score is ringing low, and the audience score is significantly higher. Um, and with Star Trek Discovery, the critic score is uh, ringing high, and the audience score is sort of like kind of meh. Um, with Dot Who, the critic score is ringing high, and the audience score is in the fucking musher. <laughs> oh dear! You know. I think the critic score for Got Who is something like close to 100%. The audience score last time I looked was at about 24%. Oh, dear God. Yeah. On, on, on Got Who. Um, <clears throat> based because of the, the identity politics that's been weaved throughout it and, um, you know, the, the generic uh, white straight male uh, being portray, portrayed as either completely inept or the bad guy. You know, which is which is what's happened. You know, so like in 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 the series, um, we'll, we'll we'll not go into it too much. Yeah, because um, it's so like um, it's a sore point. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's 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 kind of a sore it's kind of a sore point, but then it's kind of not. Um, it's just it's just too much of a complex and nuanced discussion to have. In in a it's sense, a, yeah, it would have to be a separate podcast. You know, and it's because it's these these things are done they're done good and good on it and these things that are, you know that have not done so well on it yeah and yeah it's, and it's just it's just too nuanced I don't I don't think he even want to do it as a separate podcast because you know there's there's lots of people complaining and uh, bitching about it as it is uh-huh. sort of thing um 
you know, I, I'm just hoping Series 12 is better and some of the some of the criticisms have been taken on board because if they're not, it could mean the end of the series. And if they, and if they rest it again, so be it, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I kind of I kind of like it to be rested where it was going out on 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 a on a good note, because if you notice when when it was rested with Sylvester McCoy, the story yeah. the stories and sto- season arcs the se- the stories were getting better, uh-huh. you know and um, you know if they're gonna rest it, um, I'd like it to be rest- rested while the stories are actually getting better, uh-huh. you know and uh, yeah and that and and. To be honest, Big Finish is doing a much better thing anyway, and um, I want to quickly talk about that. Um, we've had the we had the first Doctor set released last month, which was a really good one. Yes, that um, was excellent. I I, I I found the historical one to be a bit slow, to be honest, over the first song like over the first two episodes, because it was all sort of like the politics of the court and stuff like that. And didn't really get going to about episode four. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a, the the pacing with the pacing was a little off, but I, I enjoyed the story overall, and I thought it was about as effectively done a nod to the Aeneid as they were going to be able to do mm-hmm. in the context of Doctor Who. Um, so, but I thought the second story, Caroline Ford, was by far the strongest. Yes, and and what you were saying before, we were talking about Claudia Black, who plays um, um, Susan Caroline Ford's role in the, in the new cast series. She's she's is the one who sounds the most like the original. She's the one who sounds the most like Caroline Ford as Susan, and you could really hear it when the mm-hmm. two of them were in the same scenes. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. Well, that said, I think Ian started coming into his own. In, in that episode as well. Yes. The actor playing yes. Ian. Uh, I found the actor that's played Ian to be a little bit weak. Up until Jamie Glover. Episode. Jamie yeah. Glover. Up until that episode, he was a little bit weak, whereas in, in, in that episode, he, he didn't, it doesn't actually sound like the actor, you know, William Russell that played Ian. But the, but the rhythm was on. But, but the rhythm was on. The, the, the song, like, uh, the way Ian... Would have reacted to that situation was on 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 on, on the mark, yes, sort of yes. thing, and and also in the uh, in the historical the way Barbara acted, the, you know, yeah. her, her, you know the, the way she came across, she came across really strong in that historical episode. Yes, you know, it was almost like the Aztecs in a sense. It was, it was, you know, with her with her knowledge of history and um, and and the way that was used, and also the the discovery that. The doctor did have, um, you know, a quite comprehensive set of history books and history files, but never consulted them. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. Yes. You know, but <laughs> but yeah, that that that, sec- that third the third volume of the first Doctor Adventures with 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 the uh, with that cast was really good, and um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they do more. Yes. Yes. And I also, since we're on the topic of Big Finish, recently they released a River Song box set that was River Song and various masters, one of which was Eric Roberts, who played the master in the um, unfortunate 1996 Doctor Who movie with Paul McGann. And they, they finally gave Eric Roberts a script. And lo and behold, Eric Roberts with a script in that role is it's it's worlds of difference. Um, 
it's like they when when you, when he has when he, when he was given material written by people who actually cared. Um, it's 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 like they 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 actually paid attention to what was going on. They they acknowledged the film, but they went off on their own way and gave him something to actually play. And uh, he and Alex Kingston had um, chemistry out coming out the walls because Alex Kingston has chemistry with everybody. It's one of the mm-hmm. awesome things about Alex Kingston. And uh, and it really really worked. So I'm glad I'm glad he came back. And uh, his version of the master escapes at the end of the episode, so they, we may see him again. That's just and it, though. That's just it with Eric Roberts, though. He's um, he's been really, really unfortunate in that he's been given a lot of one-note roles. Yes, he's taken a lot of one-note roles, and uh, and and I think part of it is, um, he, I think part of it, he's kind of overshadowed by his sister. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Um, That's the problem. In a little bit away, which is really funny because I was actually aware of Eric Roberts before I was aware of Junior Roberts. Uh Uh, Because I remember seeing him way, way, way back in the late 80s um, in a martial arts film called Best of the Best. Okay. With uh, James Earl Jones. Um, James Earl Jones played the coach, and um, I think Sean Penn's younger brother was in it, the one that died. Um, And. and it was good film, but oh my god, the the loop, you know they they needed to do some looping or do some something to the sound on it because the sound quality of the film was really really bad. Yeah, that's yeah. the best. But it, but it was a home video release and it was successful enough to uh, to get about two three sequels, uh, of which Eric Roberts only did the second sequel, I think, and then afterwards he he saw that he went off and did other things. Um, uh-huh. But he was really good in Best of the Best. He was playing, you know, he was playing a father who sort of like uh, uh, put his career on hold because his son had a tragic car accident, and and then he went back into his career to fight again in in this kickboxing tournament, and um, you know, and he play, he plays a really emotive role in it. And the thing is, if given if given the right sort of material, as in good, well written material. Roberts can knock it out of the park every single time. It's just that he's not given good material often enough to work with. Yeah, yeah. Part of it, I think, is he's, he's overshadowed by his sister, and I think part of it um, is that she just the good scripts just haven't come his way as as reliably as they have become hers. So it just yeah, that's how that that. That crumbles, but I'm hoping now that he's part of the big finish, big finish family, that he'll he'll stay on because they will give him whether he's playing the master or mo- or doing other roles and other ranges uh, for them. I he, they'll give him good scripts, and it's it's worth him staying with them because um, he'll get consistently good scripts with them. Well, I, I've always liked Terry Roberts, but I didn't like him as a master in the uh, in the in the film. Uh, part of it, but part of it was the script, and we and we've t- t- talked before. It, and this is a little more esoteric. Um, Americans should not play time lords. Time lords are distinctly old world. That's kind of the whole point of them, and it's it's literally an old world versus new world sensibility thing. And North American actors um, don't always get in that headspace equally well. I want a German to play the Doctor. I am the Doctor, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I have ways of making you talk, yeah? <laughs> oh, 
Oh. Sorry, that just, that's just really bad. <laughs> but you know, I, you know, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see a Spanish doctor or a French doctor. But you know, yeah. with, with heavy with heavy emphasis on the accents, oh. <laughs> just to sort of like uh, because that 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 would honestly make him seem more alien. Yeah, the, that was that was that was the problem. Although with the big finished script, they were able to they were able to find a middle ground that allowed him to play his version of the master to the best of his ability. Um, but generally speaking, the the underlying problem was that um, as an American, he should not have been in that role in the first place, and that most American actors, not all, but most, would have been hard-pressed to play the character the way that they needed to play it. Part of, the, part of the problem, too, is that the master, no matter who's playing him, is written as, how do I put this, erudite panto, and it, 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 requires, it requires an understanding of panto to a degree that a lot of American actors don't have. Yeah, because you guys don't have panto. That's true. That's the problem. Um, you know, so, you guys should really have Panto because Panto is ace. Panto is brilliant. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Like, you know, I I don't I don't see a lot of it because I have to watch snatches on YouTube and and you know bits and pieces on on imported British shows because we really don't have it over here. But the the underlying problem, the the reason that actors like Eric Roberts have trouble playing roles like this when they do, it's because they don't have the Panto background. It's also it really it's also because in America in the acting community the, the emphasis is on Stanislavski and the method yes. and, yeah. and and being being as naturalistic as possible. And, and these aren't like naturalistic characters. Yeah. They're just not. They're they're melodramatic characters. You know, it's all yeah. it's all melodrama and panto and big and bombastic. And uh, I and I and I love that. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why Legends is my favorite DC show. There's a reason why Damian Dark is one of my favorite DC villains. It's because I love that kind of thing when it's done well by an actor who understands how to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, and with the help of big finished scripts, um, I get I get the sense based on this first outing that uh, that Eric Roberts will get the help he needs and that he'll be able to grow into the role to at a level he wasn't able to originally. But the the issues he was having apart from the bad scripting are down to the to just a different emphasis at the performance level culturally um, on, on either side of the pond. And I'm hoping that Big Finish can help him just, you know, find a middle ground. So. The, the problem with the uh, with the TV movie uh, was the fact that it was too American. It was. It was, you know, you had the Doctor uh, giving chase on a motorcycle. You know, that's not a Doctor Who. Uh, the Doctor Who giving chase on an old 1950s Norton motorcycle would have been more realistic to, to that yes. world of Doctor Who. You know, yes. if he's if he's got to drive an automobile or 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 anything of that description, it's got to be very old world uh, to to sort of like accentuate the eccentricities of the character and you yes. know the fact that the character is old world. That's why you know that's why you had John Pertwee with Bessie. You know, I adore Bessie. Bessie is my is my, one of my favorite vehicles in sci-fi. I love Bessie. 
and and when he did have a, a futuristic vehicle, it looked like um, a nineteen thirties Art Deco futuristic. Vehicle. It was it was a concept car, yes. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like um, that that you know, and that's that's not, that's something that's actually been missing from Doctor Who since they rebooted it. Was that was yeah. that sort of thing, and um, also the you know the, the 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 choice of companions. Every time it's contemporary contact companions, and yeah. they need to get away from that. And you know, and personally, I, I I'm surprised that Chris Chibnall didn't didn't try to get away from that, given that you know the he, he was he was looking to sort of like uh, make it educational again in a sense and make it historic sort yes. of thing. Um, I mean. I personally think it would have been absolutely fabulous for 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 him to have picked up a companion in you know a black companion from Rosa Parks era of America, and taken yes. that character to the future, to yes. you know so so that character could have seen how much things had moved on, but also how much things are the same. Yes, <laughs> you know, sort of yeah. Thing. Um, yeah. Or, or something like that, you know the the. The, the concept of the companion being the fish out of water is something that's really missed from the from the new series Doctor Who that I need to bring back. Yeah, and, and yeah. It, they, they also need to bring back wh- whoever the companion is. They need to bring back the concept of the live-in companion because they all go, they don't stay on the TARDIS. They all go home, you know, at, at various points. Yeah, and the, yeah. also the concept of the Doctor not knowing how to control the TARDIS and navigate the TARDIS. They need to they need to bring that back. Yes. I mean, you know, the the the, the whole the whole fun of, of the classic Doctor Who was the fact that uh he, he never knew when he was gonna get it right with the TARDIS. Yeah. You know. But then again, they're they're thinking in real is realistic terms. He's been he's been go, going around the galaxy for um, nearly fifty five years now. Um you'd think he'd learned to have operated his TARDIS by now. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's that that's their thinking behind that. But that's just taking the fun out of the whole concept. It is. It is. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, um, we'll close our often dots who now. And um, have we discussed venom? We, briefly, we discussed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say before we leave off on venom that um, I thought that it was a rather unique way to have to try and repair. Uh, Eddie Brock's relationship with his former fiance um, to have her uh, in uh, to have her involved in the Venom plot the way that she became involved, um, and, the, and the and the fact that this and the fact that Venom is interested in getting her back too. Yeah, like 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 Venom Venom is is shipping the two of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of adorable. It's kind. Of, it's kind of funny that uh, Venom's girlfriend uh, in the film is a former Baywatch star, ah, okay. <laughs> but from the later part of the series. Okay. okay. Um, you know, from that part of the series when no one was watching it. Ah, okay, that would explain why I didn't. I didn't grow because I watched Baywatch for a few years, but it might not have been when she was on it. Yeah, I've been. I've been rewatching it on Amazon Prime because um, I've just released the whole remastered version. And they've released nine seasons of it. I believe they did do eleven seasons of it, but I think the last three years are in the Hawaii. And they also did they did a short lived spin off uh, with Angie Harmon as the lead female, um, called Baywatch Nights. That was basically Baywatch meets X Files. It lasted for like a year, year and a half. It was 
Actually, it was campy. It was fun. Actually, it, it lasted, wasn't the last. It lasted two seasons. That one. Uh, oh. Because the first season of it was kind of like more, more, more in line with what Baywatch was, um, in in the sense that he was basically doing investigating crimes with Garner. Yeah. And I think Garner left in the second season part way through, and it okay. became more like the X Files on on a cheap budget. Um, but I I only actually ever seen one episode of Baywatch Nights, and it was when I was in America. Um, and I think it was a first season episode, and I thought, yeah, it's fun, it's okay, it's not 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 brilliant. I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not going to have a stroke or, um, or or go catatonic if I miss it, sort of no. thing. Um, but you know, so like um, the I think think the second season they they tried to make it more X Filesy and stuff like that, and and that was a problem. The it was. Yeah. Um, they they couldn't really. It, it wasn't where they lived. It wasn't, it wasn't where they lived. They couldn't really find the identity for the show, and um, you know because Mitch with with the character of Mitch being so closely tied into to the Baywatch TV series, it just it it just felt that it wasn't sort of like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been watching Baywatch on and off, and I'm up to season four now. <laughs> <laughs> because I've been binge watching, you know, a couple of hours here, a couple of hours there. <laughs> what season four? And uh, the last, you know, and the last episode I seen was uh, where where Holby his mom uh, his his mum started dating Sam Jones from Flash Gordon. He had that plane crash, and Sam Jones, uh, you know, sort oh of, yeah, I think that's what's one of the episodes I saw. Yeah, yeah. He, Sam Jones panics. He becomes very unflash guard and then panics and 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 doesn't want to help Helby save save his mum or do anything to contribute to keeping him safe because oh, he's just sort of like completely gone off the boil. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was David Hasselhoff playing David Hasselhoff in that show. It was. It's what he does. It's what he's done for thirty years. So. But it was quite a fun show. It was. A fun it was. Show. Yeah, well. You know, it was it was campy and fun, and uh, it was Saturday night tea time time here in the oh, UK. It was, and and I'm and I'm glad that he's you know gotten a resurgence with with both uh, the the Sharknado films and uh, the um, the references in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy as well. So. Yeah, he's got his own show here in the UK. Oh, really? You, yeah, you know that he lives in the UK. I did not know that. Yeah, he's, he's uh, got his own reality TV show here in, in the UK. It's about basically about him. He basically parodies himself. Oh, my God. Um, okay. I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, he, he parodies himself because he's living in the UK now. Mm. You know, it's, um, and um, I, don't, I don't, don't know what circumstances brought him to live in the UK. You know, I mean, why, why would you want to move away from a tropical paradise and live in the UK? Where, where it rains every day, go figure. You know, yeah, yeah. Taxes are higher here for a start. <laughs> but yeah, so I've been watching that and been been. Um, I've just started watching Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I'm, I may have to catch up on that one because I don't. Because um, I said earlier, I don't plan on re-upping for Netflix until um, until the summer when the. Um, Stranger Things season three comes on because I because t- I tend to I de- tend to do spurts with Netflix because I don't want to pay for it year round. So. Yeah, well, you know, I I just I just pay for it year round because because um, there's nothing on the tag here. <laughs> oh. Um, but I um, 
well, there's nothing on telly here because I, 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 I watch Arrow and stuff like that pretty much pretty damn close to when they come out in the US in order to review them. Um, but there's a, the Umbrella Academy, it's quite an unusual premise and basically um, it, it starts off in on October 15th, 1988 and the 12th hour of October 15th, 1988 and um, 48 babies are born but the caveat is that the the these 48 children that are born are born from mothers that weren't pregnant at the beginning of the day oh dear so it's kind that's of like a, spontaneous that's pregnancy a, that's a development okay it's spontaneous pregnancy and giving birth and basically what happens is a uh, this uh millionaire billionaire eccentric from somewhere in the states um he wears a monocle um, go, goes around the world trying to buy these children and he buys seven of them and um, six of them exhibit superpowers of various various different so like, uh, degrees. One of them is really big, you know, as in a big bulky guy and he, he goes to live in space on the moon. Um, another one sort of like uh, can teleport from place to place but he can also time travel which, which is part of the, part, part of the plot. Because he's basically time travelled to the far future and found out that the world world ends. And uh, in in the first series, in the first episode, he comes back in time uh, about eighteen years after he left. Um, on the same day, on, on more or less the same day, or at the same time that the old man's died, and uh, the other five uh, children are there, to, you know, to you know, to the funeral because one of the children's died, and. Um, and basically, he comes back to 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 try and prevent the world from ending. And uh, you know, they've got you got different characters, and he's not told the other ones that the world's ending at all. He's trying to do it with with a little bit of help from 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 one of one of one or two of them. He doesn't exactly trust them all. Oh. And one of them's a thief um, who can actually see dead people. He's a thief that can see dead people. Who, who takes drugs and, and stuff like that to dampen his senses so he can't see dead people. But the caveat there is he's actually been haunted by one of the children, by, by, the, ch- by the child that died. <laughs> so it's, so it's, really, it's really nuanced and, and stuff like that. And the, the first episode was a little bit slow as we were establishing the world and stuff like that. The second episode, it got a bit, got going a little bit in terms of the time traveller one. Called, he's called Number Five, by the way, and that's his name, Number Five. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, it's like that. All right. No, no, they're not all called numbers. One of them's called. Uh, he's the only one that's called Number Five. Oh. Yeah. What what it is the old man? You know, numbered them, but he didn't bother to name them. But Number Five decided to stay as Number Five, whereas the other ones gave themselves names. Ah. Um, and the 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 mother. The the old man the the the, the their, their mother is an android. <laughs> and so and talking about uh talking about uh eccentricity, the old man had a butler, yeah? Uh-huh. And the butler's called Pogo. And the butler is a very advanced aged talking chimpanzee. Oh, okay. It's going to be that kind of show. So it's really off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only seen the first two episodes of it, and, you know, I'm I'm struggling to follow the plot because it's all over the place. <laughs> but, but it's one that I'm going to have fun watching um, as, mm. as we go on. Um, it's not one 
I don't think it's one that you can really binge watch. You know, ah, as in it's it's too complicated and it's too nuanced to be able to just binge watch it. I think you have to watch a little bit at a time. But that's uh, that's basically the Umbrella Academy. It's based on the Dark Horse comic. And I may I may check that out when I get to the summer, depending on how much time I have. So what I'm finding is that even even when I'm in the mood to to up for these um, for these streaming services for any length of time to watch any of these shows, or in fact watch any of these shows at all, even time shifting them, you got to figure out when to watch the time shifted shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've been hard pressed schedule wise to get to fit all of the TV in plus all of the everything else I've been trying to do in. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's the problem I'm having with reviews as well. And I'm you know I'm, I've come to the conclusion that uh, for Flash and Arrow and and all those, I'm just going to do them the following day. Yeah. Um, as opposed to waiting up to the small hours of the morning to write the review and, and schedule it, I'm just may as well just do it the following day. Yeah. Like, when I can get round to it. Um, because my schedule is becoming more busy now, whereas I'm, I'm, I've actually got more of a life now than I had sort of like 10 years ago, 16 years ago when I started the site. So is there anything else we need to touch on? Uh, I can't think of anything unless you, unless you actually want to talk about Doctor Who. Like I said, I'm behind, because of real life, I'm behind on um, Aquaman. I haven't seen that one. I'm going to have to rent that one. Um, but I, but I've but I've seen um, also the uh, the Superman the Reign of the Superman animated film, which I actually really liked. I thought it was okay, but I felt that that story had been done better. It, it had been done, and not only better, but it just just the fact that it had been done. Um, so it just you know, they they need to give it a rest. You know, I mean, it was shocking the first time when, you know, because I remember, I remember that art coming out. Yeah. The, the, you know, the death of Superman. I remember it coming out and it was in the 1990s when Lois and Clark were still on the air. Uh. And I remember it, when it came out, there was some question as to whether Lois and Clark would carry on. <laughs> you oh, know, dear. Whether they, you know, whether they're going to kill Lois and Clark because of this. Um, because... People generally who who were not into not into Superman didn't know much about science fiction and comic books in general. Uh, thought that Superman was actually going to be dead; that he wasn't going to come back. Oh, <laughs> and I, rem- okay. I remember it being on the news <laughs> in in the UK. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Um, and and then 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 Superman was brought back. Um, yeah. You know, so like, um, and I think it was over a matter of months. They 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 went a matter of months without Superman, with the with the reign of the Superman story arc, and then they brought him back. Yeah. But I, I just remember it so well when it when when it happened in the nineties yeah. and it did it and it's. I did I did think that Rain Wilson was excellent as as Lex Luthor, and I'm I'm glad that he's going to be interacting with the Justice League and whatever the follow up is. I thought that. Re- Rebecca Romaine absolutely crushed it as Lois Lane, and I'm glad she was as proactive and uh, and had as much agency in this storyline as she did. Mm-hmm. She was she was really um, she was she was really giving as good as she got there toward the end. Yeah, I I I, I kind of I kind of enjoyed it, but it seemed like um, telling that story over two movies. It saw like it showed showed how weak the first hour was. Yeah. Um, just um, you know, it was okay. 
Yeah. But you know, it's not like uh, I preferred Constantine. Yeah, I did. I did too. No, that that, that was a better movie for me. Um, and I've not seen the Young Justice stuff. Um, I mean, they, they've got they've got season three of Young Justice happening at the moment, aren't they? So yeah, that's that's on that's on the DC universe. I I just I didn't I wasn't really into Young Justice to begin with, so it didn't really concern me. The the only DCU content I'm actually interested in, frankly, is uh, Swamp Thing. Oh, I'll tell you what's really good. Doom Patrol. I'll check it out when Swamp Thing becomes available then. Because, yeah. um, um, again, I, I, um, there, there are just too many of these streaming services for me to be paying for stuff all at once. Yeah. Gotta... When, when, and we're having the same problem here, but thankfully for us, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the ones that are coming out, like Star Trek, are coming out onto Netflix in this country. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to work in future. Um, as more and more streaming services become available, but I personally think what they need to do now is, um, I think the I think the terrestrial services and the cable services are probably gonna sort of like eventually die out. Yeah. Um, because people just order based on their television taste sort of thing and what they want to see. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's kind of I think that's kind of the future vision, and then we'll have hollow vision. But Doom Patrol was really, really good. Um, I, I I watched Titans, which is one you didn't want to watch because uh, because he dropped the f bomb. Yeah. He only drops the f bomb in one episode, by the way. No, that wasn't the problem. It's just the, the overall tone. I just yeah. didn't want to hang out in the overall universe. Yeah. Yeah, the overall tone is kind of dark, but it makes sense. The reason why it's so dark. Um, but they they introduced the Doom Patrol in Titans, and mm. uh, the one episode where they introduced the Doom Patrol is actually probably the strongest episode of Titans. Cool. Um, because uh, Robin wasn't in it, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't, you know. But um, the, the the series, uh, Timothy Dalton's in it. Mm, yes, I, I, I've seen the, I've seen the, uh, the trailers. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll check out Doom Patrol if I can. If I, if I have the time, because there's so many things I want to do, and I'm going to have to use the summer to catch up on a lot of stuff. Plus, there's also uh, reading reading I want to do and audiobooks I want to do. and yeah. there's, just, oh, there's so many hours of the day. There's, there's, so. too, there's too much content now. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I think it was actually better when in, in the 1980s when the content was quite scarce because I think you appreciated it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, that's um, Doom Patrol is definitely worth seeing. I think you'll like it because the, the characters and the tone are really eccentric because Doom Patrol kind of like outcasts. Mm. So you, 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 you definitely relate to it on, on, on some level. But they're, they're, they're the outcasts, but they're, they're fun to hang out with, <laughs> you know, and that's um, and that's that's the whole premise of that. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're fun characters um, and I enjoyed it. I think Robot Man is genius. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he's played by Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, yeah. And, and Matt Bomer plays Negative Man. <laughs> oh. And uh, they've got a nasty woman. It was a nasty girl, but they changed it to a nasty woman and she's... Um, a former movie star um, in, in it sort of thing and it's um, it's really good it's, it's dark but it's comedic it's um, yeah yeah you know? um, and, and we got um, and we got Swamp Thing coming out as well and other shows yes. so that's going to be um, it's going to get we, uh, we, we're not going to we're basically going to be concluding from the TVs for the rest of our life yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get very selective because I just I have limited time, limited money, and 
as with as with Star Trek Discovery, it's the only CBS All Access show I watch. So I'm going to have to basically just wait for the whole season to be out, pay for it for, for, for however long it takes me to work it through the one season and just binge it like a Netflix show. Because mm. that's, you know, that's the only way I'm going to be able to get, get, get all this stuff done. Well, we've got the Picard show coming out as well, and there's also um, a separate show about Section 31 to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to do the same thing and treat and treat those spinoffs like uh, Netflix shows and binge them all at once, basically, when, when the whole season's come out. And you'll be exhausted <laughs> after binging. It'd be, like, it'd be like a 24 marathon watching a single season of 24 in a day. Yeah. And then when you get to the end of it, you die of exhaustion on a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to watch two or three episodes. You know, um, I mean, it's probably going to take me a couple of weeks to binge a whole season, but that's, it's the only way I can do it. Because I just, I just, just there's, there's not enough time, there's not enough money, there's not enough anything for me to get through all of these shows anymore. Before we go, do you want to quickly talk about Project Blue Book? Because that's something that's been on the History Channel. That's yeah, that's um, it's sort of sci-fi adjacent. It's on the History Channel. I've been watching it through iTunes just to get it on my own schedule. Um, it's got um, it's got uh, Neil McDonough and it's got um, uh, Littlefinger from um, Game of Thrones. Hmm. And uh, and they're they're basically playing. This is basically the um, this is basically yeah. It's based it's basically on- loosely based on. Doc, uh, the the work of Project Blue Book in the forties and fifties, and they and they have the, the way it works is there's an there's a there's a fictionalized mythology that's being woven around existing um, actual actual Blue Book files. Ah, so it's a little bit yeah. like Brexit. Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yes, it's it's Aidan Gillen. Aidan Gillen plays Doctor Alan J. Allen Hynek, who was the, the the scientist who was historically attached to Blue Book. It's got um, Michael Malarkey, who was in Vampire Diaries, although I didn't watch that one. It's got Neil McDonough playing one of the generals in charge of the project, and uh, he's um, he's antagonistic, Kelsey and um, it's it's actually really well done. It's t- ten episodes. Episode seven will be this coming Tuesday. It's the the historical details and the world building are absolutely excellent. The performances are top notch. Um, the mythology, the fictionalized mythology, is yards more coherent than anything Chris Carter ever did for the X Files. Because it's basically the the, the the log line for it is X Files meets Mad Men. And that's very much what it is. And it's it is just very well put together by, by writers who actually give a damn and are actually thinking it through. Yeah, I think the problem with X Files of Chris Carter is I don't think he expected it to go beyond one season. That might have been why. And I think, you know, I think he, because he because the success was unexpected and, and whatnot, he didn't really have any cohesive plan for it. Yeah. Uh, because that was made in the day when 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 we were still doing you know there's no such thing as art based series. No, no, and, and you very much get the sense whether whether Blue, Project Blue Book is your thing or not. You very much get the sense watching it that these these writers have actually thought it through, mm-hmm. that they actually have a plan, yeah. and, uh, and it's very well put together. And it's got Ksenia Solo from Lost Girl in it. Oh, she's brilliant. Yes, she's she's yeah, and it's um. And Laura Minnell from Haven, which is the, the last thing I saw her in prior to this. And um, um, it's just, it's really well put together. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'll keep I'll keep my eye out for that. You know, when it comes out here in the UK. I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to be on History Channel here in the UK. Probably it, not. It might, it might, or it might end up on Netflix. But it's it's only ten episodes, and it's um it's 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 very tight. And it's um, it's as character based as case based. They they figured out very much how to weave the historical blue book cases into one coherent narrative, which structurally is rather amazing because those those blue book cases, while very intriguing in their own right, and the basis of UFO mythology in their own right, um, do not lend themselves to one coherent narrative. And yet, for some you know, the, the writers for all that were able to, they've been, they've been able to fashion a coherent narrative out of it. Yeah, and, um, and it, and it's, it's really quite cool. I'm quite looking forward to that because Neil McDonough is really good at, he's really good at period stuff. I mean, I thought he was he's, actually... He's, he's excellent at it, although I warn you, hopefully, hopefully season two will be a little different. Um, the, his character is one of the two generals in charge of the program and so far he's only been in like one or two seasons in, uh, an episode. Mm. They haven't, they haven't had a, a whole, a whole character-based episode for him yet. Although given the fact that they are brought in Neil McDonough, I don't think that they would continue to, to waste his talent on, you know, one or two seasons per episode. I'm hoping next season they're able to give him some more, some more time. I think part of it with season one is that he was also coming off of other stuff because uh, Neil McDonough is one of those guys that strings together a gazillion smaller projects instead of one or two big ones. Yeah, he's he's a work he's a jobbing actor. He's a jobbing actor, and so as a jobbing actor, he was he was kind of juggling his schedule this first season. So he might have been absolutely fine with just having one or two scenes per episode this first season because he was doing other stuff and had other things going on. Hopefully, as his schedule shifts shifts next season, and he and he has more sense of 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 um, of show stability because they've actually been renewed. Um, he'll be able to, you know, free up a little more time for, you know, for, you know, a dedicated episode or two. Because the the show focuses on J.L. and Heineck and, uh, and his par- par- partner, Captain Michael Quinn, who's based loosely on um, Captain um, Ruppelt, who was the head of the uh, real-life Project Blue Book for a while. So they're, they're basically um, doing fictionalized history with some... Science faction, science fiction thrown in. It's yeah. it's it's marginal. It's science, marginal. Science faction is that your new phrase? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're they're it's they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. It's going to be interesting to see how far they get um, before because right now it right now it passes as a history series. But if they get too far afield, you know, history might not be able to justify. Yeah. You know, um, but it's so far so good. They're managing to tow the line, and they're towing the line quite well, and and it's a and it's a universe that I've come to care about. So yeah, I'm quite looking forward to seeing that when once it becomes available here in the UK. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of like stuff like that, but I've got to be in the mood for it. That 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 sort of stuff that I tend to watch during the summer, yes, in, in the late evening sort of thing, because it's sort of like. Uh, I don't know why, but you know, I remember when uh, when when Sci-Fi did Taken. Remember that? Yes, yeah. And that was a pretty good miniseries, and I remember that aired over the summer over here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And, and remember that that was kind of like the event television series uh, back in the early two. I think it was two thousand, round about then, two thousand two, mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. the summer. 
uh, in, in here in the UK, and I think in the States that aired in, in the autumn, didn't it? Yes, it did. So, so for some reason, that sort of thing always seems to come out here in the summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it might might be out this summer. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's put um, Rob, Robert Zemeckis, as in the Robert Zemeckis is one of the producers on the show. So it's top-notch. He's putting, he's putting resources and effort into it. Cool. So and if we uh, tip water on all the characters, they're going to reproduce and, you know... That could happen. I don't know. It's been depending on how unhistory it gets. Mm-hmm. And if the if the if the characters are fed after midnight, they're going to turn into some like ugly versions of themselves. Pretty much. <laughs> but if it, but if you but if you're in the, if you're in the mood for sci-fi adjacent period piece, this is this is good. This is um, good. I'm game. I'm gonna gonna give it a look. <laughs> Because there's a there's another History Channel miniseries that they did a while back. Um, actually, I'm not sure if it's done for Discovery, but they did a, a show called Hangy and the Davisons. It was a it was a it was a six hour miniseries and it was shown over three nights, and it was basically the history of how Hangy Davison motorcycles came to be. Mm, yeah, I I remember I saw the commercials for it. I didn't watch it, but I saw the commercials for it. I, I yeah. watched it. It was pretty good. Uh, you know, I kind of enjoyed it, and you know, it told the whole history of you know, and the under underhanded tactics. It was good. Um, anyway, I'm gonna sort of wrap this up now. So um, this brings to there go. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, I'm here. Oh, someone in the background. And this brings to an end um, our first episode of 2019. Hopefully it'll be more, uh, time permitting, of course. Uh, thanks, Reese, for joining us as always. Oh, excellent. It's, I had an excellent time. It's, it's been fun fun discussing stuff with you, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot to discuss as the year goes round. And uh, I can't wait to get your reaction to Aquaman when you do eventually see it. Because I, oh yeah, I I'm sure it. I'm sure it's gonna be fun. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah. I, I loved it. It was a uh, it was brilliant. And the fact that I know it's good is because James Cameron's uh, criticizing it about how unrealistic the underwater scenes were. Oh god! Yeah? And you know, the fact of it, the fact of the matter is, is James Cameron needs to song like uh, get himself a knife and realize that. It's Aquaman. It's not real. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so you know, so we we're not looking for realistic stuff all the time. No. But yeah, that's it. So, end end of this first episode of 2019, um, and more to come, I'm sure. So, goodbye for now.